Welcome to The Vital Vagina, where we delve into brave and crucial conversations about the womb and feminine power. This podcast is not just for people with vaginas. We all come from the womb, and there is much for everyone to learn from this place of deep wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Cornelius. I'm a chiropractor and holistic pelvic care provider. I've been working in the feminine healing realm for nearly a decade, and I am honored to bring this work and these stories to light. Well, hello, Sonia. Welcome to The Vital Vagina. Thank you. How are you, Danielle? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm really good. Good. Uh, Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm really excited for us to talk about mothering. I'm super excited Um, to be here too. And there's so much to talk about with mothering. There's so much. I know. I'm sure we'll have, uh, we're going to have to cut it down into a couple episodes, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) uh, Why don't you introduce yourself and just let people know who you are and what you do? Okay. Um, My name is Sonia Wilder. I am a teacher and I am a healer. And I'm very happy to say that word healer. And uh, I'm a mom and I'm a single mom. I have been for a very long, long time. Um, I teach yoga and I'm a teacher trainer as well with yoga and I'm a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner as well. I bring people into a very deep state of hypnosis and I help them to heal themselves. So those are the two mm. two things I focus on now. Of course, you know I have a vast past and vast array, potpourri of healing modalities, but those are the ones that I focused on at the moment. And I have two teenagers that live with me. <laughs> and then and then my oldest will be 22 next month in February. I know. So I've been and I've been doing this with a little help from my parents. I've been doing this on my own for a long time. Oh. And <laughs> you said, oh, I know. Oh, I, know. I don't have. I don't have. Chi- I don't have children. I have a small dog, and that, that's like oh, that's enough. That so cute, but yeah, but you I mean you've heard my complaints about my kids, and that's why. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I always thought that having babies would be fun because I love babies. But then I would think about teenagers and go, oh, yeah. You know, I, it, this is why it's so important for, and I'm so glad you said that because this is why it's so important for people who get caught up in the social status pressure or what is expected of them through institutions because we're we are very we're raised institutionalized and mm-hmm. that teaches people men and women that you know or males and females that when you grow up you're supposed to get married and have a children that's that old paradigm that old model but it's a calling yeah. Parenting is a calling, just like healing is a calling, or yoga is a calling, or chiropractic is a calling, or whatever. It's a calling. And I was called mm-hmm. into parenting. And if you look at the majority of the humans on the planet, probably almost not even half of them, if they were actually called, almost not even half of them would have a kid if it was really a conscious decision for them on what do you desire? Is this something you're really pulled to do? Mm. Yeah. You know, I was called. Mm -hmm. What was the, I was, was how did you know that for sure? I mean, um, Mm. how, where, tell me the story about knowing that it was the calling. Yeah. It's a great question. When, I mean, I remember, I remember pretty much since my birth. So I remember pretty much since I was about three or four years old. I mean, I remember back when I was three and my sister who was three years and two days older than me, my Gemini Virgo ascendant twin, Mm 
we were talking about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I was always very focused from the moment of my birth. I was very mission oriented. I knew exactly what my life's mission was, my path. And I told my family very verbally in my very mercurial way. (laughs) It was very communicative. And I said, when I grow up, I want to be a mom. I want to be a mommy. And I said, I want to have six kids. And and my my dad just went, ah, good luck. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and my mom said, oh, that's wonderful. You know, my mom was always very supportive and said, oh, that's wonderful. And I named off all my children. And of course, you know, they were all very different names than what my kids actually have. And it was just something that was very easy for me. It was a focus on being a mom. When I was probably close to 10. My sister started babysitting for the neighbor's kids, and I wanted to babysit as well. And so the parents would let me go with her. And I would just hang out, play with the kids, but I turned out to be more responsible than my sister was. I actually, you know, if the kid had to get a bath, it was a toddler or whatever, I'd want to get in and give the child a bath. And my sister had fun with it, and she was pretty good. My sister just liked holding a baby like a doll on her hip. And for mm-hmm. me, I liked liked really interacting with the child. I liked asking them questions. I liked to know who they were. I was just very inquisitive and I was just really responsible. I would get them to eat their vegetables and make a game out of it. And I was just really, really good at being around kids. Even though I was a kid, I felt like I was higher than them and that I had to take care of them. Like I was the caretaker. So the parents noticed that. And by the time I was 10, the parents, uh, there was one of our neighbors and she had a newborn and my sister went over there with her and I was in a campfire girl. My mom was one of our troop leaders and there were many of us that wanted to start babysitting. And so there was a badge, a babysitter's course through the Red Cross that we could take and get a campfire badge. And so I took it and I got my, my campfire badge for babysitting and I got my Red Cross certificate on being able to babysit as long as it was in a certain mile radius of my my home so that my parents would be home so that I could have them come over quickly if it was an emergency. Mm-hmm. When when there was and this was back in the 70s. So mm-hmm. there was a certain guideline with the Red Cross that you could do that. I don't think they have that anymore, <laughs> but you could then. Mm-hmm. And so I took care of this newborn who was only five weeks old, a little boy. I don't remember his name. And the mom was really nervous. And my parents were home and my mom came over with me and she said, we're right next door. If anything happens, you know, she'll just call or she'll yell out the window or she'll just run next door with the baby. So the Mm -hmm. mom let us, let me with her, kept me with her son or let me be with her son for about maybe two or three hours. She went out for errands. She called a couple of times and her son was so content and she was shocked. She was a really nervous first time mother and he was really relaxed with me. She came home. He was down for a nap in my arms and she was like, oh my gosh. All right. You can come over whenever I need you. And that was that. And I was like, I was completely content. I was 10. And so it just continued from there. I just babysat all until I was all the way up until I was a graduated from high school. And then Mm -hmm. I moved to New York city and then I had my Broadway career and I was in the middle of my Broadway career performing and, and I was looking for, you know, you you don't always perform. I mean, that's the actor, singer, dancers thing is you never know when you're going to get your next gig. And I didn't want to wait tables like all the other performers did. Mm-hmm. My mom was the one who used to get the acting newspaper. She subscribed to it in New York. My mom would get it, look through it, and throw auditions at me. We'd talk on the phone every day, and she just had a great eye for what I should audition for. Well, she found an ad in there for a thing called Sitters on Standby. 
And she said, uh, Sonia, you should babysit. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she said, you still have that certification from the Red Cross. And she said, um, and I had been CPR certified. I couldn't remember through what. I think it was through AMDA, the school I went through for musical theater. Well, I think we had to get CPR certified. So I had my CPR certification. So I met with the woman in New Jersey. Actually, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. And Nanette, she's so sweet. And we met at a coffee shop in Manhattan. And I gave her all my credentials. And she's like, you're hired. As soon as she saw me, she's like, oh, my God. I just, I knew you were just awesome. She hired me and I started on-call babysitting. Hmm. That was back in mm, 1990, hmm. maybe. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, something like that. And um, yeah, and it just took off from there. And in New York, I mean, I was I was babysitting almost every single day. And then people loved me to the point they wanted me to come regularly. And I became their live-out nanny. So there were probably about five families that I was a live out nanny for that I visited. I, I took care of their kids regularly, weekly, and just switched Monday through. I mean, I could have worked every day. Mm-hmm. So that helped pay my bills and it gave me so much experience. Mm. It was incredible. And there were things, I mean, the number one thing you learn when you're a nanny or a sitter is how not to parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Firsthand. <laughs> yeah. I know. And so my mom was telling me, this is just great parenting training for you. So I wanted six kids originally. It knocked me down to three. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think I only want three kids now. Yeah. I think six is a lot. Yeah. This, is a, this is a big responsibility. So then I moved to Hollywood. I moved to LA and I had my Hollywood career. And I just picked it right back up. I, I lived in the Valley when I first got there in, in Van Nuys. And I got a job with a, um, a company, as a babysitting company, childcare company in Reseda. And I started working for a Disabled kids. Whew, mm. Wow. That yeah. was like so hard. That was so yeah. hard. Like I wasn't trained to work with kids who have Down syndrome, kids who are in wheelchairs, you have to change their diapers, things like that. It was so mm. good for me. But it was yeah. really hard and it tested my patience big time. So mm. I did that and then I started working for a company in Santa Monica. Um, then I worked for a company um, near Silver Lake where I ended up living with my kid's father. And just got tons of experience. And then I was really focused on being a live-out nanny for just two families. And I took their children. I started with their kids when their their babies were five weeks old. I had the full spectrum yeah. of a newborn all the way to a teenager. And it just, I was like, oh my gosh, I would tell everybody, I'm in parenting school. This is amazing. Yeah. And when I was taking care of the two families in Los Angeles um, for little um Avery and little Melody, who I still think of as my children, and I still know Melody. She's a young adult. We talk on Facebook still. Um, mm. I got, I was with my kid's father already, and I got pregnant with Colby, my oldest. Mm. And we were planning on moving to Portland anyway. And m- the baby, Melody, knew before I did. She mm. sensed it. She was very upset with me. She was about nine months old. She was very upset with me and I didn't know what was going on. I was two weeks pregnant. I was planning a wedding, not getting pregnant yet. Mm-hmm. And it was rather shocking to me. And so uh, I, that's when I realized when, you know, my breasts were getting huge and my nipples <laughs> were killing me and I'm telling my mom and she's like, take a pregnancy test. Yeah. <laughs> so I did on my birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. <laughs> I know, right? So I was pregnant and that oh. was that. So yeah. So I knew from the time that I was about 1920 and I was performing professionally in New York. 
I had had this feeling, I was meditating regularly, and I heard in one of my morning meditations, water birth. And I was like, what is that? And that's what I heard. I kept hearing water birth. And it was trickling in more and more. And I went to the New York Public Library because I was intuitively prompted to do that. And I found this book from Russia on giving birth um, in the ocean with dolphins Hmm. and giving birth in the water. And I became kind of obsessed with that. And I was Hmm. literally like 20. And so I went, I've got to do that. I have to do that. And so I started telling a lot of people, this is when I was also in the closet as a, as a new astrology student and numerology student. So I was giving clients readings in astrology and numerology mm-hmm. on the side, the hidden psychic. And I was telling people, people, it was coming up in their readings. They were going, you're supposed to give birth in the water. I was like, oh, where'd you get that from? They're like, I just heard that in my head. Tell her she's supposed to give birth in the water to her babies. And I'm like, I'm reading this book right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that was all coming up. And I'm like, well, that's just fascinating. How apropos is that? I love that. That came up for you during your reading. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It kept coming up with several of my, my clients that I was doing readings for. And so I really, really got into it. So I really got into dolphins at the time and how to birth dolphins, how to birth babies in the water with dolphins. And so that kind of stayed with me in my middle of my three years in Los Angeles. That's when I met the children's father. And he was from Portland, Oregon. And I got pregnant with Colby. And that was that. We moved up here. And we had found out that you could give birth uh, in the water here, but you couldn't legally in the state of California at that time in 1996. So we were going to move up here and we found the Natural Childbirth and Family Clinic, which was in Northeast Portland. They have since closed. And I found the naturopaths, midwives there, naturopathic midwives. And so we were all set. I walked away from my Hollywood and Broadway career and we were giving birth at home in the water. And I did natural pregnancy. I was a vegan um, plant-based eater. And so this was new in 1996, mm-hmm. this was a very progressive thing to have a vegan pregnancy mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole thing about protein and all of that. And so I knew I was being very progressive with all mm-hmm. of it. Um, water birth wasn't unheard of. Russia, they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't, we wanted to go to the Bahamas and give birth in the ocean. And I'd had a, bir- a book called Ocean Birth that my brother had actually given to me as a wedding gift because <laughs> I was pregnant on my mm-hmm. wedding day. And we couldn't afford to get there. So it was going to be a birthing tub from Water Birth International, who is still in, I'll plug them, they're still in Wilsonville. Mm. Water Birth International, they ship birthing tubs globally, and we use them for all three mm. of the births. So I love Water Birth International. They're absolutely amazing. And so we rented a tub. My parents gave the the cost of the tub, the birthing tub, to us as a birth gift for all three of my kids. Mm. And I birthed Colby mostly in the water. He refused to come out, that little bugger. <laughs> he was five days late. Oh, and he wow. was born. He was, I started my labor with him on um, Valentine's Day of 1997. And he was born on President's Day, Monday the 17th. Oh, my gosh. My grandfather's birthday. So, yeah, so that was that. So I birthed him in the water. It was <laughs> really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had to come out on the bed because he was just big. And, and there, you know, there was it was slow. Birth Mm. is slow. And sometimes birth is fast, but a lot of the times birth is slow. And there's, for me, I had a lot of pre-labor. 
Yeah. I had three days of pre-labor and then eight hours of freaking pushing and hard. And I'm like, mm. get out. Yeah. <laughs> get out. So, you know, that was that was that. And, and, you know, to have to be put back together. And of course I did it naturally and I never, people would say, Oh, if in case you have to go to the hospital, that was never in my consciousness, Danielle. And I've told you this so many times. Yeah. That was never in my consciousness to have a baby in the hospital. Now for those women who have a hospital birth because they have complications, that's a different thing. And that's their experience. And that's valid. Yeah. And women who have to have a C-section, that's what's necessary for them. And that's what happens. And that's valid. Yeah. For me, I had been called to give birth as naturally as possible in the water. And that was my life path. Everybody has their individual life path. Because I've shared this with many women. I get a lot of women who come to me who had to have a hospital birth that wanted to have a home water birth and they feel guilty. And I want to put mm. that out there right now. Do not feel guilty about the kind of birth you had if you planned a different type of birth because that's it the, just happens. That's the thing about birth, right? That's the journey that women who birth go through. I mean, you it it's uh, you have to surrender to the experience. You, you can't do. control it in you any way. To. You yeah. have to. You have to surrender. And, never, and I also share this with women because people wanted me to become a doula. And that's a whole different path. And I could have become a doula. I've been a doula in other lifetimes. Um, they wanted me to be a midwife because I've been a midwife in multiple lifetimes and I remember them. And they came up through quantum hypnosis as well in my own sessions. I, I could have done that. That's not my path. But I could have birthed my kids easily myself because I know how to do it. But you have to surrender. And it is a dance between you, your 50%, and the soul you're birthing, which is their 50%. They also have their own life plan and their own birth plan. Now, my birth plans aligned with the souls that I brought in. It was a calling from a very young age, and I was aligning with a higher spiritual perception, a perspective of what we wanted. We wanted to make birth more natural. And so I'm one of those souls, I'm one of those women. Who's bringing that back in? Yeah. Because as we know, when the church came in and the masculine linear paradigm came in and took over the birthing business from women, that messed everything up. And bless them, but get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I, I'm not going to mince words on that and I'm not going to speak it in balance. Get out. It's not your business. Yeah. yeah. If you have a penis, you're not here to help a woman birth. A woman needs to help a woman birth. Period. And I know there's all kinds of male gynecologists who will not like me for saying that. And I just don't care. Yeah. In holistic pelvic care, we don't, we also don't teach males how to do the work because at this point in time, because it's, it's just, there's some things that are sacred and need healing, especially right now. And yes. um, we just need to take that, some of that space back and I think that's, that's we do. okay. Yeah. And it's not against the vagina. Against, need like, there's lots of things that males can do. I don't know. We could have a, probably a whole conversation about that alone, but um, we could, yeah. and we could do that for another podcast. Yeah. But here's how I feel: for when you are dealing with the vagina and the uterus and the ovaries and the fallopian tubes, let's let somebody who has those body parts help because they can have deep levels of compassion and empathize with that and understand more. Mm -hmm. I had one male gynecologist when I first 
was getting pap smears back in my my early 20s. And I was okay with him because my mom had had what her favorite gynecologist for most of her life was a male. I was okay with him. My very first gynecologist was a woman and I felt really relaxed and at ease with her. My mm-hmm. second one in LA was a male and I went to a student clinic at UCLA and mm, yeah, no, when yeah. it wasn't working for me. Then I went back to a woman and I said to her, this is how I feel. She goes, yeah, most women feel that way. And I said, you know, let he's got a penis and, and scrotum. Get, let him test men's prostates and let you go into my vagina. How about that? Mm-hmm. That works for me. <laughs> yeah. And then we need more transgender pr- pr- practitioners also for transgender people. Oh, we so do. Yeah. We absolutely do. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, and so when I, when I was, then I went through a tremendous amount of, I went through a lot of pregnancies. I've had, and I'll state this right now, I've had 16 pregnancies. I thought I had 13 Mm -hmm. until I had my own quantum healing hypnosis session. And it came out that I'd had 16 and it showed that I'd actually had a couple pregnancies with um, a a boyfriend that I lived with and Mm -hmm. back in my twenties before I met the kid's father. And I was like, really? I think I knew that. I knew it. I knew that I was pregnant with him. So I, I've had 16 pregnancies. I'm very, I was very fertile. I'm not very fertile anymore, but I was very fertile. And I was, I had wavering progesterone and we, we know that we need the hormone progesterone to stick the fertilized egg to the uterine lining. And mine wavered because of a blockage in my liver um, and a blockage in my ovaries where the progesterone is produced from migraine headaches and toxicity in my body and blockages in my energy. So I had that, and it's also a genetic thing. It runs in my mom's side of the family. There are many cousins who also have this. So I got pregnant very easily, and I miscarried very easily mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So I did a lot of herbal medicine um, to try to keep from miscarrying, and I tried Chinese medicine. And that eventually worked. So I had eight pregnancies between Colby and my second child. And then I finally got pregnant through the help of Chinese medicine. And I that was twins. That was uh, male-female twins, Marissa, and I named him Joss. And so for the first three months of pregnancy, it was incredibly difficult. I was incredibly sick. And I felt very mm-hmm. vulnerable. At three months of pregnancy, I started to miscarry again, which felt incredibly tragic to me. And I was calling for Marissa because I knew it was her. And mm-hmm. that was really hard. And that went on for weeks. And then I thought I got pregnant again because I started feeling some symptoms of being pregnant. So the day before my dad's birthday, um, on May 19th, I finally was able to get into my doctor, Dr. Liz, Dr. Liz Collins. And she did an ultrasound with Dr. Ed. And it turned out I had a three and a half month old fetus in there who had dropped very low as I had been bleeding for two weeks and thinking I was miscarrying the whole thing. No, uh, the baby held on. And it was mm. amazing. And it what was two heartbeats was now only one heartbeat. So I birthed Marissa successfully at home in the water. And Colby, my who was three and a half years old or three years and seven and a half months, was in the tub catching her. I was on all fours. Aww. And he wanted to be in the in the water this time. He was in I you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> he he caught her. He had his non-latex surgical gloves on that he couldn't wait to have and Dr. Liz had made sure he had that and and she was born in the middle of the night and I had uh, and Dr. Liz always wanted to bring 
um, interns in who were at the naturopathic at the time, the college, which is now the university. Um, and Mm -hmm. asked if I would allow interns to come in. I always allowed interns to come in, um, except for my last birth. I wanted to help. I wanted them to learn. I was very adept at everything and I was very communicative. And and Liz was always saying to me, you're such a good communicator. You're going to help these women to learn how to be a better naturopath and a midwife. I said, great. So for Colby, I did. And so for Mm -hmm. Marissa, I did. So I had four women sleeping on my floor in the middle of the night (laughs) as I'm birthing her. And she came 10 days early. Mm -hmm. Thank goddess. And slid out. So, so, so yeah, I was like, I could have birthed her myself. I was holding my breath under the water through the contractions because that eases that off. I want to state that right now for anybody who's listening, who's pregnant and who is planning a home water birth or a water birth. When you're in the contractions, if you hold your breath, you can plug up your nose and go under the water. It will take the edge off of your contractions. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So I, I woke nice. him up and actually James came out, um, the kid's father and, and, um, he went and woke up, woke up Colby and, and, uh, Colby jumped in, got his clothes off and jumped in and he caught her and it was amazing. And <laughs> she was very indigenous looking cause my kids are very multiracial. And so she looked very Cherokee Cree and it was beautiful. So she looked beet red and Colby mm-hmm. looked very white, looked more and more like my English side of the family. And so there's pictures of mm-hmm. Colby kissing and smelling little Marissa who who looks very beet red and was under they were both under the water. So we were in the in the tub for probably about a half an hour and her cord wasn't cut until it stopped pulsing. I made sure of that. And actually no suction happened with the mouth. She immediately went to the breast and nursed right away. And that released her placenta and that mm-hmm. everything. It was just very smooth. So that was really beautiful. Mm. And then there was another pregnancy after that. When she was two, um, I got pregnant again. We wanted one more child. I wanted one more child. And that lasted for about almost five months. And I knew there was something wrong. And I knew it was a boy. Mm. And I went into labor in the middle of the night. And um, I gave birth uh, over the toilet to my my third child, Joss, I named him Joss, and I was going to retire that name because I kept losing the Josses. And I'm like, mm. I think we're done with that name. Oh, yeah. So I did that one on my own, and it was incredibly traumatic and life-changing. Mm. And I really didn't have any help at all, which was ridiculous. But there was a reason for that. And mm. yeah, so – and we buried his body. There was just something wrong with him. We buried his body under the Italian plum tree after he was after the body was examined by Dr. Liz and Dr. Ed and to see what mm. was going on. Mm-hmm. And I went through that and that was really good for me because I have helped, I don't even know the number, Danielle, I've helped so many women by talking about, I gave birth to a dead, dead boy and the details of it and how it changed me. I've helped so many women who have as well to talk about it finally and to heal and to grieve. Yeah. It's one of those things that people don't talk about. I hear about it a lot in my practice too. I'm sure you Um, do. So many women are just going through it's such an it's actually such a normal natural process and we don't ever talk about it so there's just a lot of pain there's so much pain and of course that's when you know a lot of women will come to you for holistic pelvic care because of the state of contraction yeah. that their pelvic floor is in from the pain of, i mean yeah. it's painful to give birth to a dead child on many when levels. you're not yeah. at your due date because you don't dilate all the way and oh my god it's like so much harder than giving birth to a live baby yeah it's like Wow. So that was transformative. I went back to um, some Chinese medicine and then I started taking topical progesterone. And then I 
I got pregnant with Kyan, my youngest, my last child, my 16th pregnancy. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Like, wow. And I took topical progesterone with him throughout the eight months of his pregnancy. And then Dr. Liz said, you're good to go. I'm like, really? I was like clutching it. I don't want to. Nope. She's like, you're good. You're, you're going into your ninth month. If you were to give birth Mm -hmm. to him, totally safe. And he came just three days before his due date in April 26th. And I, I gave birth to him again in the water and Colby and and Marissa were in the tub with him. And it was amazing, hard, incredibly hard, but incredible, amazing. So you know, all of that and, and then having my kids and breastfeeding all of my kids until they were almost two. And I was very much a stay-at-home mom. I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years and I homeschooled my kids and everything was natural. My boys were not circumcised. My kids were not vaccinated. We were very much kind of a progressive family at the time, although there were other families that were doing that. But, you know, we were the hippie family, mm-hmm. <laughs> the vegan hippie homeschooling family, yeah. even though I was very urban and I still had my New York edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our thing. But when, and that leads me up to holistic pelvic care, because I want to fast forward to that. When when I was really, I mean, you know, the incontinence, of course, is yeah. an issue, especially after having your first kid, but then having as many pregnancies and births, the, the stillbirth was really difficult with being able to just hold my urine. Yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, bladder, <laughs> like we're not anywhere near a toilet. So <laughs> like, suck it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. It's just like, oh my God, if you think the word toilet, you're like, oh no. And you oh, cross yeah. your legs. And so that was a problem. Yeah. And and I and I was already being trained in Pilates. So I was doing a tremendous amount of pelvic floor contracting. And I was already a yogi. I had been practicing daily yoga since Colby was a newborn. So that wasn't even enough. Even contracting my pelvic floor every day and expanding it and contracting and expanding, Mm-mm. doing all my Kegel contractions, whatever, I couldn't really feel my pelvic floor enough because it had just been expanded so much from yeah. giving birth vaginally so many times that I couldn't get the tone that I wanted in it. And I had those little um, those little Chinese metal balls that you put up in your vagina and you try to hold them up and, and those little weighted balls. Yeah. Oh no, those fell out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. I did a whole episode on my other friend's podcast on Evian's podcast about yoni eggs and um, kegels yes, and how, how they actually can damage things. And not if your pelvic floor is not balanced, they're not going to help. They're going to make things worse. Oh my God, they did not help me. I'm so glad you said that. No, they didn't yeah. help me. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got to do something. So I went through rolfing, structural integration, mm-hmm. and I experienced that, and that helped. And I went through that system twice. And, of course, I trained in it, as you know, and so that I, I now know rolfing. So, yeah, I'm trying mm-hmm. to, like, put my finger through the vagina, try to squeeze it and all that. I'm only getting a little left side activity, whatever. And that was when someone in yoga, actually, it was, it was, I was at my big studio where I did my teacher training at back in 2010, 2011. It was there that I learned, I heard the word, somebody said to me, oh, you need the vagina whisperer. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I was like, that is just freaking awesome. I want to know who she is. It's a woman, right? They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is she a sex worker? Please. What is it? Tell me. This is so cool. Yeah. So they told me Tammy Kent. And I just went, 
I have to see her. I have to have this because this woman had seen her. She took one of my yoga classes. I was, I was just training, teaching yoga in a studio at the time. And she told me about her. And so she said, she's on Burnside. And I was like, okay. So she gave me her card. I called, and this was before Tammy got ridiculously busy. Because this is back in 2012 yeah. at this point. I, 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 had, I knew I had to save up money. So this was, we're rolling into 2012. And I found her. And it took me a while to get an appointment with her. It did take a couple of months. I didn't get an appointment with her right she, away. Yeah. That's like 2011 is when I trained with her initially. And um, she had a three-month wait list at that she point. She did. So I had to wait three months. And I got to see her. So my first appointment with her was during the Mayan calendar changeover on December 20th, 2012. Of course it was. <laughs> Isn't that just so cool? <laughs> and I was like, this is it. This is the big life-changing experience. It's the end of times as I know it. This is the death of my <laughs> yeah. old self. I will finally be on the path of being. This is what so was. This is how I was thinking. Be on the path of being able to hold my urine. <laughs> I have great, and I had heard from this woman, and have great orgasms, and and. Yeah. It's a nice little side benefit of holistic. <laughs> it is. Moment. I was like, <laughs> sex is going to be better. And I'm going to, and I knew from Rolfing, when you go through, as you know, when you go through myofascial release, you will release old emotions you're storing in your tissues and toxins and your body will detox and you'll weep or you'll laugh or you'll get pissed or whatever. And I had already experienced yeah. that through all of my healing process up to that point. I mean, I'd already been very experienced and proficient in, in the healing process before I saw Tammy. So I was like, this is the next level. So I told her yeah. that. She's so funny. She and I had the best conversation. I'm like, oh, I had deja vu during my first session with her as her hands are in my vagina and her right hand is on my pelvis, <laughs> on the top of my pelvis going in there. And I'm like, I know you. And then I started crying and then I started going into regression. For those people who don't know me, I'm also a practicing psychic medium. So I started going into a past life that Tammy and I had had in the Mayan times where she was the head midwife, the elder midwife, and I was one of the younger midwives and she was training me in midwifery. Mm. And she was also very connected with that. And we were like, oh my gosh. And I said to her, the Mayan elders work with you, the, the, the Mayan grandmothers. And she said, yes. And I'm like, oh my God, you're a Mayan <laughs> elder as a white woman. <laughs> so we were laughing about she, that. She does do such a good job also honoring the cultures that um, she learned from. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. She's so, she's so reverent with all of that because she knows she yeah. knows. So that was life-changing for me. My first holistic pill, but the, after the first session, I could actually hold my pee until I got to the bathroom, yeah. to the front door. It's simple and <laughs> profound. <laughs> and I was like, I'm free. <laughs> this is so good. So, and then of course I had the best orgasm the next morning. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So my second session was in January of 2013. And now I needed to make some big changes in my life because I had a crap, awful marriage. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And yeah. I had to get out of it. And that first yeah. session gave me permission 
it and I had was working with a Reiki master at the time. I was working and so I was working with Tammy and then I was working with another healer at the time that I was trading body work with. And Tammy said, I give you permission to step out and rebirth yourself, renew, make a new you, come into your center. And that was it. At the end of January, I had my second session. And right after that, we start, we filed for divorce. It happened so mm. fast. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. This is what I needed. Mm. And it's like holistic pelvic care gave me the permission. I felt empowered because my pelvic floor was opened up. And when in the first session, number one, we found my dad's mother's rape. She had been raped when she was a teenager by a doctor she worked for. And we knew it. I was holding it yeah. in my right hip. It hurt. It was locked we up. Hold so, we hold, people don't understand how much we hold in our pelvis. I know. So here I want you to talk about that with holistic pelvic care. I want you to share what we hold in our pelvic floors from our grandparents' lineage. Say that before I speak anymore. Uh, so from what I understand, and there's so many, there's so, there's so much depth to this topic that I'm, I'm probably just going to skate over it. So I want people to understand that there's a lot of layers here. Um, there's so many, it's ridiculous, it's, but it's really, and we could talk about this for like 50 podcasts alone, yeah, holistic yeah. pelvic care and what's stored in the pelvic, but I want you to touch on yeah. how we carry, because people don't understand how you carry the lineage. The lineage comes through energetically and, and also physically. So like we kind of, I think the way we think about science and the human body has been so fractured. Like we think about things so separately that we don't look at the whole picture and understand like how, um, just how many layers there are and how much depth there is when you look at the whole p picture. So um, even physically, like the ovaries store basically our eggs um, and that has a lot of the DNA information, Yep, you know, that comes through and we're actually starting to learn scientifically even. So it's even coming all the way down into that layer. Yeah. <laughs> we're starting to really understand um on a DNA level, how much we actually energetically take on from our lineage physically. But then there's even like, you know, when you think about reincarnation of multiple lives, we also have all that energetically yep. and spiritually, but we physically are bringing through the DNA of the physical form of these physical bodies, which is what we're talking about at this layer. Yes, it is. So, um, yeah. And so like, I think we're, we're starting to understand that women actually can create more eggs. So we used to believe that we had all the eggs we'll ever have in our body when we're still a fetus. And we do have a lot yeah. of them. <laughs> so there's a lot that we, those eggs and a lot of that information is in the physical body when you're pregnant. And also those eggs are in you as a fetus in your mother's body when she's pregnant. So if you think about how physically layered we are. And then when you're born, you're kind of born into your mother's nervous system and into your family's nervous system patterns. So all the trauma that everyone's carrying around just gets literally passed through through our DNA. And we literally are pelvic bulls as women because they're um, they're like containers and storage. And we are we energetically really know how to gestate. Um, we tend to hold a lot of that. We do. Energetic information, I guess, is the best way to say it. And so there's, um, and then it'll come into the physical tissues, especially when it's unaddressed and unreleased because it's like begging to be released. So if you had like a right, that left hip you're talking about, mm -hmm. that pain that you're holding. And when you, when you, 
find the story and it releases like you just can't deny that that there's a connection there and I used to be even more skeptical when I first started because it didn't make sense to me that your emotions can be in your muscles and I was like whatever (laughs) (laughs) I just like my brain couldn't really connect with that like I was a very spiritual person but I also like I had very divided Mm -hmm. my spirituality with my logic and um, and I kept my spirituality very hidden and close to myself and um, but I was very drawn to Tammy's work because it really spoke to the spiritual side of me. But I had to, for the first couple of years, had to work pretty hard on marrying those things and not being ashamed of letting the spiritual side be public. Yeah. Um, and but I started really slowly and I really started on just the physical layer, just working on the myofascial release. But then I would get stuck sometimes where people wouldn't release no matter what, how many of the physical tools I've learned I use. Yeah. And I'm not comfortable as in chiropractic, I'm not comfortable with doing the same thing kind of over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, if it's not shifting something <laughs> like, we, like, well, so because you know, then you have to do go about it another way. Yeah, exactly. So that's like the art of body work. You have to continue looking for other layers. And so since I had this skill set, I just would say, okay, I don't understand how this works, but oftentimes this muscle, according to Tammy's work, and her work comes from working with thousands and thousands of women and being a natural. Oh my gosh, her experience natural, is so vast. Yeah, and being a natural energy reader. So um, I and I trust her because she taught me so much. So I didn't necessarily understand it yet, but I I I had trust in the process. So I would say things like, "Okay, your this muscle's not moving. I'm feeling a lot of like white hot heat." According to Tammy's work, that could be connected to whatever, like. A lot of women who have the same pattern tend to have, maybe it's a, um, you're not feeling supported in your feminine energy. And I kept it as simple as that in the beginning. Um, And then women would just start to cry, (laughs) like just out of them. And then, and then I would feel the muscle as they're crying or weeping or shaking or whatever, laughing. Um, The muscle would just like, just like, just release. And then all that heat would just go and then they would feel better. And then their issue was gone. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess there's something to this. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then I just, you know, then I really trusted it, even if I didn't understand it. Of course. And and you don't, you don't have to understand it with your linear mind to know it. And of course that was helping you to go into your right brain more of your intuitive side and turn that on more, which is what it's done. It's helped you to turn on your right brain more. Yeah. And so, yeah, that gave me the respect to understand and to be more open to learning about how lineage gets passed through. And so that's what we started talking about. But um, yeah, yeah. no, we carry our we carry our mother's wounds and our grandmother's wounds and all up through the line until somebody addresses it. What? Yes. What the what how DNA gets encoded is through experience through vibration and vibration is about how you're feeling within the feeling within is the number one vibration that is put out your thoughts will follow that so if a woman is being raped and within she is in fight or flight that gets encoded in the dna and that is passed down physiologically through the lineage so i was carrying all my grandmother's rapes. And it turned out that two of them that I know of, my mom's biological mother was raped as a child. She was sexually molested from the time she was a little girl and continued to act that way as an adult. And my father's Mm -hmm. mother was raped and she also acted that way as an adult in her verbalization all my childhood going, I hate men. And we're like, where the heck would she get that from? Mm -hmm. Well, 
you know? And so it was my aunt, her daughter, who was just going, oh, mother was raped. I just mm-hmm. know it. Yeah. Because she had worked, my, my aunt Mary had worked with women who were rape survivors for all. She volunteered in a shelter in Northern Minnesota. And she said, that's when she said to us, mother was raped. She said, because she acts like the women that I've been helping. Mm. Yeah. And she said, I know that. So I'm carrying that in my right hip on the father's side, the paternal side. I'm carrying my mom's biological mother's rape on my left side, the maternal side. Tammy helped me to find in those three sessions. I had my third session with her in February of 2013 in the process of the divorce. And she had helped me to find both of those. And she helped me to release quite a bit of my my father's mother. But that was still in there. I mean, it takes more than once to do this. And it's there's very, layers. Yeah, it's, it's layers. <laughs> it's layers because it, yeah. it, you know, it, it didn't just take one time to put it in there. It took multiple tragedies and the constant remembering that I was violated and taken and all of that vibrational rage that's encoding in the DNA. So you and I, we ended up meeting, I can't remember if it was at the end of 2014 or the beginning of 2015, but it was somewhere in there. And yeah. we met through a mutual well, healer connection and some mm-hmm. practitioner. I can't remember who it is now, but. We have a, we have a few connections. I think, we well, Portland's a, Portland's a pretty small yeah, city. <laughs> I think, I think one of, one of your colleagues was coming to me for a healing session yeah. and she connected us and then we realized we had mutual friends. So I went onto your website immediately after she left and I went, oh, I know you. So I sent you an email. I mean, it has been absolutely transformative for me. Not only do I have control over my bladder yeah, because of it, I have incredible sexual energy moving through my body. And I did anyway. I'm a very sexual being. And I love it. But man, oh man, what it did for the pelvic floor and the ability for blood to get into the genitals and create the Kundalini explosion has been amazing. (laughs) It has helped you have helped me to heal both grandmother's rapes, which have come up multiple times in our sessions. Yeah. And you know, I immediately go to the cry. The cry comes out. It's like, oh my God, here it goes. And my body goes into convulsions because I'm that deep into it. I'm I'm so allowing of the release to come. I don't fear the release. Yeah. And my body has just like quaked. Yeah. And and then it comes out and it's heat and it's hot and it's cleared. I mean, you've helped me to, you have helped me not just in holistic pelvic care, but also in holistic chiropractic when I was attacked in Peru by that asshole at the top of the mountain and L5 mm-hmm. is out on my right side and that came out just from your adjustment and I'm like Danielle that it's coming the, and you're holding my hand that was the first <laughs> time I'd had an experience with chiropractic where I had an energy release that was really pivotal oh my God. for me to experience as a practitioner and that's why I love I love working with other people who are very in tune to their energy and their own healing because I learn the most I think I think I learn more from people like you than I have learned from lots of the institutions I've studied at just because I learn a lot about how healing works by other people healing themselves. Oh, that was profound. I, and again, I make it easy and I've worked with a tremendous amount of healers in the more than 50 years I've walked in this body. Yeah. However, our, our healing with each other has been some of the most profound in my world because we're soul family, because we know each other, because we have a flow. We're in the same vibration. We have such a flow with each other and we have such a trust. I have released 
more DNA shit <laughs> with you <laughs> than I have with most of the healers I've worked with. And I've worked with some great healers in my life. And I have, and I'm always ready to go there. You know that. I do, I have no interest in holding on to anything because I'm a healer. I got to keep this body as clean as possible to be a, a healing white light conduit for others. Yeah. I have to be as high a vibrational mirror to everyone as I can be. And this body's got to be clean. And I can't be carrying around my family's crappy lineage of low vibration. That's got to get out. I do not need to be walking around with uh, hip pain. Right. And so holistic pelvic care and your chiropractic. And I, I, I want to talk about your, your chiropractic as well here. I know we we're going to talk about just holistic pelvic care, but I want to put that in here that when we're not just talking about crack, crack, slam, slam, when we're talking about holding space and you're a Reiki master and you're my Reiki master, when you're a Reiki master and you're doing the energy work that you're doing and you hold your root, you're holding the light in your body and you're so good at that and you are being still and you're listening and then you're offering your wisdom and we can trust you. And then the adjustments, they're so easy because your touch is so gentle and you're working with the fascia first. And then you're doing some body work and you're smoothing over, you're combing the fascia. And then, and you do that during holistic pelvic care as well, your hand on the top of the belly and smoothing and doing the circles and all of that over the uterus, over the pelvic, going into the psoas a little bit in the piriformis, things like that. When you're doing that, we release and slam, it just comes out. And I say slam not in your physical touch, but slam the energy is coming out. You're like, oh my God, here it mm -hmm. comes. And your hand is right there. Yeah. And I'm grabbing your hand because I'm blind. I'm being hit by a wave of crap. And my body is shaking and heat is coming out. And I'm blinded by a lightning flash, which is what happens to me usually when my stuff is coming out. Mm -hmm. And and then it's, it passes and you're panting and you're like, oh my God. Like, And that's when you realize, for me, um, whenever I'm having something profound like holistic pelvic care or your chiropractic adjustments, or anything like, or, you know, quantum hypnosis, what I've had. When I have those experiences, I realize I'm not my body because the body will do something different than what your awareness is. And you're like, yeah. what is happening to my body? And I know from talking with other women who have experienced holistic pelvic care have said, oh my gosh, like my body was holding on to stuff. And I'm going, where is this coming from? I, mm -hmm. Yes, you're not your no, body. And, some, and sometimes, like and your body will about, it really that. is a lineage of like your mother's rape or something that happened to her or like a grandmother down the lineage. And I've had an experience where people have a huge release and it has nothing to do with any of their own story. And it releases pretty quickly because it was never theirs to begin with. It's just been stored in their body. Wasn't there. Yeah. It's massive. Like my mom had a miscarriage after me, which is who Colby, my oldest son, was supposed to be. But he instead chose to be my child. And my mom was carrying that miscarriage around. She was carrying that guilt. And it turned out I was carrying yeah. that in my left hip for her. And that came out with our sessions or like my stillbirth. I mean, it, it, it took more than that. The stillbirth came up with the first, first three sessions with Tammy, but it was through all of our work. I really had to go into, I felt it was tragic. It was painful, but I also felt guilt for being pregnant again because my mind also had this whole, the, the world is overpopulated and stuff. And I'm I want all these kids because it was a calling. Right. I was called to have three kids. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put my body through that. I didn't. I mean, I, I, my kids were all very conscious. I'm a conscious yeah. parent. And so that was something that had to be healed. My resistance 
which might have contributed to the miscarriage. I don't know. Or the, the stillbirth. I don't know. Or, you know, I mean, it's like there was all these emotions that I was storing in my pelvic bowl. I was also storing the, and I want to touch on this just a little bit. I said I wasn't going to say any more about my marriage, but there was women who are going to hear this who are being abused by a partner. Yeah. And they're going to store that in their pelvic bowl. And so you helped me to release my own abuse in my own yeah. marriage that I was, that was being inflicted upon me. That had to be healed out of my pelvic floor and my pelvic bowl. We, we had to keep saying, don't hold on to his stuff. Let that go. Clean out your bowl. And you have to go in internally in your mind. And you have to do that sweep of the bowl to clean it out with your own energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we hold lineage things. And then we also tend to hold as women, we're kind of the energy keepers. Tammy talks about this in her book, Wild Feminine. Um, and we'll, yes. um, we'll, especially when there's not enough consciousness coming from the other people. So if you're in a partnership that's abusive and there's a lot of unconsciousness, like we will, and then we don't, we're never, we're not generally taught these tools about how to be energetically clear or how to be conscious or how to manage our own stuff and not project it onto everyone else. Like we're wounded in this way. And so women will tend to just store their partners and their children's stuff also along with the whole range. I did. Yeah. I did. And especially as an empath, yeah. empathic people, sensitive. Yeah. I mean, we could, that's a whole other podcast right there yeah. talking about as an empath, and I now am no longer practicing the empathic aspect, I now am in the level of, of the psychic mediumship, intuitive, and being compassionate so I don't take people's stuff on in yeah. my body anymore. Yeah. But holistic pelvic care helped me to clean out everybody else's low vibration that I was holding in my bowl. And just it was knocking me out of alignment. My hip pain was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's just, you know, like stiff vaginal walls where I can't, I can't feel them or they hurt or all of it or leg pain. Oh my gosh. The leg pain alone. I mean that people are like, women are coming to me going, I have so much leg pain. I'm like your pelvic floor is locked up. You need holistic pelvic care. They're like, what? Yeah. So, people don't know like how many <laughs> nerves, there's so many nerves that go through the pelvis into the legs. And so I'm like, you got to understand and yeah. yoga, yes. In yoga, the pelvic bowl is the seat of the soul. Yeah. So everything's going to start from the pelvic bowl. And I got to say, there's a lot we can do externally. There's a lot we, you can do to really help, especially with chiropractic, because it works at the level of the spine, which is the where all the nerves are coming from. Um, That's the electrical center. Yeah. You have to open and, that up. However, if the internal pelvis through the and the vagina is holding so much tension you can adjust the pelvis all day forever and you got to address what's locking up the internal for women it's just it's a piece of the puzzle that has to be addressed and in my experience i address that first because then i can unwind everything else but when that's locked up like it's just going to it's a constant like blockage to um to rooting down energetically but also literally feeling your legs <laughs> being able that's, to use them yes. properly. That's <laughs> yeah. huge. I remember I was having, I was getting sciatic pain on my right side <clears throat> and through the first three with Tammy, I remember the first time she put, she stuck her finger and then she's like deeper. I'm like, oh my God. And she's practically put her fist in my vagina. And when she did, <laughs> she really stuck the hand and took all of her fingers and pushed down on the ischial tuberosity bone, the sits bone in there, I had this clump of fascia and all of a sudden the blood rushed into my right leg that had been going numb. And I was like, oh my God, 
Thank you. And then I made that joke that you all, all of you holistic pelvic care practitioners hear this. I said, if I could just walk around now all day with your fist in my vagina, I would feel so good. And she's like, I hear that so often. I said, you must. I'm like, what a relief. And all of a sudden I could feel the blood flowing in my low back. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this is crazy that I don't have circulation. She goes, sweetie, you're holding on to your grandmother's rape. Yeah, That's going to lock you up. And I'm like, I can't believe that is causing sciatic problems. And like, I now, like, I got my legs back. Yeah. It gave me my legs back. It's profound. It was profound. It's life changing. It's so, you, it's, it's freedom in your body. It's emancipating mm. because when you don't understand, why your body won't respond in the way that you as awareness want your body to respond, you've got to have help. Yeah. And you have, and the doctors aren't going to help you. And yes, you can go and have rolfing, but they don't go into the pelvic floor that way. They go from the top and in and, and rolfing is great. I love it. I know I practice it myself, but you have to go internally and holistic pelvic care is the only system that does that. It's the only one that goes internally that I know of that also addresses the the spiritual energetic aspects of what's happening in the tissue yes. in the tissues physical you like, get into the emotional body and, and then wow yeah. and uh, fortunately this is actually a good place to kind of end it cuz we've been talking for an hour so we're going oh to have have you come back and <laughs> take some other layers cuz there's things we didn't even get to but um <laughs> Holistic pelvic care. So, you know, we're all, we're all um, based in Portland, Oregon, and that's where Tammy is. And so when I found it, I was so I when I first found her book, I was like, this is amazing. I have to study with this woman and then found out she was in Portland. I think I cried for a week (laughs) because I was so happy. And we're so lucky to have that resource here. Um, And now fortunately, Tammy has been training she's very clear that, you know, she really only initiates people and she will only see people for a couple of visits usually because so yeah. many people want to see her and she's written you get three visits and, with her. That's it. Yeah. And, and she's, and she, she's trained a lot of us and there's a lot of holistic pelvic care providers in Portland, Oregon, and there's more there's and more so all over the world. There's now. so many, and there's so many amazing practitioners, you know, yeah. find one in your area. And if you can't, because we're not everywhere yet, um, it's worth, A, it's worth traveling to if you yep. can, and B, um, find a women's health physical therapist because that's the next best thing. Yes. Um, if you need internal work, a lot of times the physical therapists, they do different things or they'll go a little bit more into depth in other areas than just the vagina work, um, which is good, um, but they, they don't always they don't always do the hands-on work and they def- they usually don't bring in the energetic and spiritual work. So I usually would also recommend if someone's seeing a women's health physical therapist and they need the deeper spiritual healing to also find a spiritual healer. So you can find yeah. ways to get the care you need in this way. Um, you can. And people can always go to wildfeminine.com and that's Tammy's website and look for her list of practitioners and you can always contact one of us and we'll help you find people in your area too. Oh, yeah. um, so... Um, would you tell us how to find you? What, what's your website? Where are you on social media? So people can connect with you for your quantum hypnosis work, which is really phenomenal. I know we'll have to talk about that in another podcast too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. quantum, quantum healing hypnosis. You can find me at Sonia, S O N Y A 
Wilder, W-I-L-D-E-R, wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com. And send me a message through there and we'll get you scheduled for a quantum healing hypnosis session. It's profound. Um, I'm on Instagram, Sonia Wilder Wellness Q-H-H-T for quantum healing hypnosis technique. And you'll find me on Facebook under Sonia Wilder Wellness on my business page as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was great. I actually can't wait to listen to it back again. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes at vitalvagina.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. We'll be back next week with another episode.